encountering the texture of the text of God's Word, text and context. Good morning again, everybody. This is actually the podium from Holy Spirit Church, uh, the new Hispanic church that's here. And he said we could use it, so I thought I'd drag it out and see what we thought. So there you go. Um, Last week, we talked about Ephesians 5, 1, and 2 and about God's love for us, that his love is always on offer, always being washed over us. Uh, Last week also, at the very beginning of service, I talked about the Apostle John. And how he, in his old age on the island of Patmos, uh, was exiled there. It's where he wrote the book of Revelation and received the visions of Revelation. But while he was there, there was a house church there, apparently, according to church legend. And he, uh, of course, I mean, if you had John the Apostle in your house church, you'd ask him to preach too, I imagine. I would not be offended. It'd be great. And so, of course, he was the one who preached most of the time, but he was so old and decrepit, he could hardly stand. They'd have to help him, and he'd prop up himself in the doorway. And over and over and over again, he would just say the same thing. Little children, love one another. Little children, love one another. Over and over and over again. And if you read the letter of 1 John, or 2 and 3 John, those little tiny letters that we often forget about, tucked away at the back of the New Testament. But if you read 1 John... You can totally see that he would do that. Because 1 John is almost, not almost, it's extremely hard to read because over and over again, it's little children love one another. God is love. It's all about love. And a few other things. And by the way, little children love one another over and over and over again. You know, if John was here today, he'd probably preach the same sermon. I can't imagine how old he is now. But if he were here today, he'd probably be preaching the same sermon, maybe this time in a wheelchair. But he would just over and over again say, little children love one another. Little children love one another. And I don't know about you, I would sit there and listen to it as long as he was willing to say it. Because I need to hear it as much as he is willing to say it. Why do we struggle so much to love one another? We do, don't we? We can be honest. I do, right? We struggle to love other people. It's because love is flowery and beautiful on paper and it is extremely messy and complicated and hard in practice. You've all seen people who love people well. Uh, Hannah's not here this morning. Ezra is feeling a little sickly this morning. He's fine, but just the cold weather getting to him, I think. But let me tell you, my wife is somebody that I think is so good at loving other people. Anytime I've ever seen somebody meet Hannah for the first time, they fall in love within the first few moments because of the way she loves them. She's so good at listening to other people and like actually listening to them. We'll be walking away from an encounter and Hannah's like, well, that was just a lovely little meeting. And I'm like, that was the most boring person I have ever met in my entire life. I don't know what you're, and she's like, well, they're just a little awkward. They're fine. She's just got that love that flows out of her to other people. She hears people. She sees people. I found that children and um, people who are socially awkward or have special needs of some kind flock to her. Why? Because she loves them. In fact, there have been moments when I've said, how did you hold a conversation with fill in the blank? And she said, oh, I don't know. I just asked them about their life and I asked them about their family. Oh. 
She's just got the heart for that. And I admire that. She's one of those people for whom God's love just flows out of her into other people. And you know people like this. You know people for whom it comes naturally. But I don't know about you. I'm not that kind of person. That's the reason I married Hannah, because I'm not naturally that kind of person. I'm the opposite kind of person. I'm the kind of person for whom love does not come quickly or easily. It comes very, very difficultly. Very difficult to love other people. In fact, um, people get on my nerves. And then I smile and say, oh, that's fine. And then I get in the car and I'm like, oh my goodness, that was insane. They drive me nuts. Love is tough. Love is messy. You get down into the nitty gritty and it's not always black and white, right? I mean, I'm a theology nerd. I love studying scripture. I love studying our God. I love studying everything that I can possibly get my hands on about it. And part of the reason I love it, it's a lot more black and white whenever you're just dealing with the page. Here's what's good. Here's what's bad. Here's what's right. Here's what's wrong. Boom. Got it worked out. Then I meet people. (sighs) I heard a preacher say one time, you know, preaching is a great job. If it weren't for the people, it complicates everything. If only we could just keep it on that straight and narrow with my perfectly delineated theology. I show up before God and I say, I've got it figured out. I've read the scriptures. Here's all my proper distinctions, my goods and my bads and my rights and my wrongs. And, and then here comes Jesus and he says, you know, we'll just send the rain on the good and the bad. And I'm thinking, no, the good people should get the rain. And Jesus says, no, we'll send it on the good and the bad. We'll, we'll send my sunshine on the just and the unjust on all of them. I say, let's go rip out all those weeds. They're causing trouble and dissension. And Jesus says, we'll just let the weeds and the wheat grow together. They're kind of pretty in their own way. We'll, we'll sort it out at the last judgment. It'll all be fine. Jesus is frustrating like that. He really frustrated all of the religious leaders of the day too, didn't he? He's always eating with those tax collectors and sinners. It's just that little phrase, tax collectors and sinners. Over and over again, he's meeting with them. Prostitutes, tax collectors, the scum of the earth. The kind of people that whenever Jesus sat down to dinner with them, everybody else said, can you believe who Jesus is eating with? I wouldn't eat dinner with them. Couldn't imagine eating dinner with them. They don't even wash their hands before they eat. Can't imagine. Yeah, those are the kind of people Jesus hung out with because he loved those kinds of people. I, um, I've shared with you many times before that I grew up in... Um, I grew up with an image of a really angry God, that God was angry and he had that clipboard, always the clipboard, ready to find what I was doing wrong. But that's not the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's looking for what you're doing right and he's forgiving you for the things you're doing wrong. And he's sending his son Jesus in absolutely every instance because that's who he is. His heart overflows with love. And you know also that um, God the Father is never once described in scripture as the one who judges. He's handed that responsibility off to the son. And I don't know about you, he just doesn't strike me as the kind that walks around with that clipboard. He'll administer justice, that's for sure, but it's a generous and a kind justice, a good and a loving justice. Jesus is in charge of judging because the father has handed it off to him. Here's the passage that we are meditating on. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. I'm going to read it again because I just really like the way the message has put it. It really captures my imagination, draws me into it. Watch what God does and then you do it. 
like little children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. Not only are we called to love, which is enough of a headache as is in this messy and complicated world in which we live. No, we're called to love like that. Not cautiously, but extravagantly. Extravagantly pouring out love to any and all who would take it. Oh, but won't it be wasted? Won't they just, won't they just use me? Yeah, probably. Well, won't, I mean, well, but, but what if they never change? They might not. I, yeah. Not cautiously, but extravagantly. Because I really believe the thing that will change people is not the harsh judgment. It's not trying to say, well, once you deserve it, then we'll love you. It is the love that transforms and enables people to become something different. And you know how I know that is because that's what God's love did to me. That's what God's love has done to you, to us. God's love transformed us and made us into something different. We're still becoming something different. And it's that same love that can overflow from us to others. That's the thing. We're not going to love other people by trying to love other people harder. You've met people, right? That's not how this works. It's not easy. But instead, God's love that overflows from us. When we are filled to the top, grounded and rooted in love, is how Paul says it in Ephesians. When we are grounded and rooted in love, filled up to the very tippy top with love, that's when it just naturally gushes over to everybody else. It just naturally flows out. That last line, he didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. That's why I think my wife was a good example of that. She doesn't love in order to get something, but to give something. There have been multiple times when she's given me the look, the look, the look that says, uh, we need to go come tell them I need to go because otherwise this conversation is going to drag on forever because she's already been there for 20, 30 minutes listening. And it's only after that long time of giving her time and attention and love that she's finally like, okay, it's time to wind this down. But she has it in her heart where she's not just going to say bye and walk away. She wants that, you know, that interruption. If you've ever been married, you know, it's the look. (laughs) Only once we've been loved by God are we ready to love others like God. It's only as we've soaked in his love. That's what we talked about last week, that reckless love of God. Oh, there's still a part of me that's a little uncomfortable with that word, but maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a good thing because it keeps me from domesticating God's love and thinking that I have it all figured out with his love because I don't. But instead, God's love is recklessly poured out on me, and I know I don't deserve it. So how much more so can that love flow from me to others? So I've admitted before that I'm a TV junkie. I'm very much so a TV junkie. I like my television. Um, there's an old TV show that's uh, it's older, so it's a little cleaner. It's one of my favorites. Um, I've been re-watching it lately. Has anybody ever watched the TV show Frasier? Ever watched Frasier? I like old Frasier. They are clever and snarky. It is my type of humor all the way. Clever, clever show. But one of the things that I really love about that show is the love story between Frasier's brother, Niles, and the uh, help-slash-physical therapist, Daphne. So Frasier's dad has a cane. He got shot in the hip as a cop. And they hired this lady, Daphne, to be his physical therapist-slash-housekeeper. Okay? The first episode, she's hired... And Frazier's brother Niles meets her, and you can tell he's in love. 
immediately in love. But he's in a bad marriage, this lady that kind of ignores him and takes advantage of him. And um, it, the show runs for like 12 seasons, maybe. It takes to like season 10 for them to get together, for all the factors to line up, etc. But what's beautiful is the whole time he is, he is uh, gushing over her. He'll find himself staring at her or he'll say sweet comments to her. And for Daphne, I mean, whoosh, right over her head the whole time. Right? It's obvious to the audience because it's funny and we laugh. But the whole time, it's just whoosh, right over her head. She's not getting it. She doesn't see it until, again, much later on, she accidentally finds out that he's in love with her. Because uh, somebody got surgery and they were kind of doped up on their medicine. And they accidentally said, yeah, well, Niles is in love with you, Daphne. And that's when she kind of like clicks and then like it does this flashback where she goes back and sees all these things that he had done for her all these things he had said all those moments that she thought well that was weird and then just tucked it away and she goes oh and she's overwhelmed by the love that he has always had for her now of course that's an imperfect love and of course there's a little bit of scandal mixed in because it's a television show and because it's the world's version of love but 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 there's a part of me that loves that story because honestly i kind of feel like it's that way with god he was just there all along. His love was always on offer, always there, always giving good things. And then the moment that I realized that that's, that was the case, that God really like actually loved us, my mind did a flashback and I could just put pieces together where I said, that was the moment when he, and that was when he, oh, and then he was there when, anybody else do that? I still find myself doing that. And I've known God loves me what years and years and years now it's the same with us our love might be shunned unappreciated or even unnoticed oh that's the worst isn't it when your love goes unnoticed but that's what love is that it's extended even whenever it's not appreciated especially when it is not appreciated those are the moments that try your love is when you give it when it's not noticed or appreciated it's easy to love whenever the love's just being passed around oh Everything's fine. Oh, you did such a great job. Yes, that's right. I sure did. But it's those moments whenever nobody notices, when nobody's around, when you don't get the praise or the applause. Those are the moments where rubber meets the road on love. And there will always be those complicated people that try your love. It is the holiday season after all, isn't it? Here we come to Thanksgiving and Christmas. And it's funny, but it's also really hard for a lot of people who have some family breaks and problems and some schisms and aunt so-and-so doesn't talk to uncle you-know-who and cousin so-and-so really despises you-know. And you fill in the blanks and it sometimes can get a little iffy at the Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner table. <sighs> but you show up anyway, don't you? <laughs> you show up anyway, and whenever it comes time, would you pass the mashed potatoes, would you pass the green bean casserole, would you pass the mashed potatoes, the turkey, the chicken, whatever your family does, okay? There's no such thing as a traditional Thanksgiving or Christmas meal anymore. It's all hodgepodge. But whenever they say, would you pass, what do you do? Yes. And you pass it. And part of the reason I love that is because I'm reminded that every week we do that exact same thing. But we offer them the greatest meal they'll ever eat the body and blood of the Lord, and we pass it to them. Um, I'm going to try to say this without being overly emotional. Um, it was about a year ago today, give or take a week, that uh, we were in South Carolina, 
And a really difficult situation came about. Uh, There was a lady in the church that I felt really did us wrong. Really, really hurt me. Uh, Really, really um, said some lies. And it it, it hurt me deeply. But I I showed up to church that morning. And we did the typical Church of Christ thing where, you know, oh, so-and-so signed up to pass out communion, but they didn't show up. So what do you do? Hey, can you pass communion? Sure. So, you know, would you pass communion? Yes. I'm standing back there and, you know, getting trays ready. And there was just something in my mind. I saw her sitting on the, it would be my left in the auditorium. And I elbowed the guy next to me and I said, I got this side. He said, okay. And so I took the communion to everybody. And this is during COVID still or whatever. So you had to actually walk down the aisle and hand it to each individual person to pull it out themselves. And as I got to her, I said, receive the body and blood of the Lord. Wouldn't make eye contact with me. I had a scowl and some more things went down immediately after service, actually. But in that moment, I offered her the body and blood of the Lord. And even though I was still mad, I was really mad and I was really hurt. At the table of the Lord, everyone's welcome, especially those who have hurt me or you or anyone else. At the table of the Lord, we pass and say, here, have some. Have as much as you want. And for me, I need a bunch of it. And I know you do too. It was a really holy moment uh, for me to serve her communion because it reminded me that, you know what? I can choose to forgive her or not, but he already has. I might as well just join in on what he's already doing. And I offer the communion. (sighs) The body and blood of the Lord, the forgiveness that was bought for her. I don't think she appreciated it. (laughs) I know she didn't. Some things went south immediately after service. But it didn't take away from the specialness of that moment because I offered her the body and blood of the Lord and she took it and we communed together in Jesus. And that was holy and that was sacred and it was good and it was love. And even on those days when some bad memories surface again, I just recall that story. You remember that thing Jesus said, they will know we are Christians by our by our stance on moral and political issues that we post on Facebook. That wasn't it. They will know we are Christians by well behave, how well-behaved and holy we are. No. They will know we are Christians because we don't drink, cuss, smoke, or have sex and judge those who do. No. They will know we are Christians because we're hard on sin and even harder on God's people. Make sure they don't. No. They will know we are Christians by the Bible translation we use. No. They'll know we're Christians by what kind of clothing we wear. No. They'll know we're Christians because we go to church. No. They'll know we're Christians because our Facebook page says we're Christians. No. They will know we are Christians by our what? By our love. By our love. It's not that any of those things I just mentioned don't matter. Some of them really matter. It's that love matters more. Love matters more. This is the second week in a row I've had that prayer of St. Francis uh, prayed. Thank you, uh, Faye, for praying that this week. Um, The prayer of St. Francis. I love that prayer. Um, Historically, it's probably not actually St. Francis that prayed it, but tomato, tomato. Uh, I think it's beautiful, and to me it sums up who we are to be to share God's love through us. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace 
Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. And it's the second half that really, really gets me. O divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console. Not looking to get something, but looking to give something. That I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console. To be understood as to understand. To be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. That's beautiful. And that's what it's about. To love like that. That's what it looks like to love like that. That not cautious but extravagant love. A love that, that looks to give rather than to get. That's what it looks like. It's the same kind of love that God in Christ has loved us with. I love that it starts by saying, pay attention like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Yes, there is some teaching that goes on there. Yes, you do pause and say, no, 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 we, we, don't, we don't do that to other people while they're talking, right? We, we, there is some of that. But also it's just kind of in the water. Love is often caught more than it's taught. You catch it from the atmosphere. Love is just part of the culture of the household and the children learn it in God's household. It's certainly part of the culture and you learn it from watching the father and you learn it from watching the son. That's what it's about. You remember Jesus is the incarnation of grace and truth. Um, I think sometimes we want Jesus to be the incarnation of grace or truth. Sometimes we feel like we got to pick one and I'll be honest, maybe this is just a deficiency in me and you can judge me all you want. That's fine. But, um, if I have to choose between a grace church or a truth church, it's going to be a grace church every day. But thankfully, we don't have to choose because our Lord is the incarnation of grace and truth. And is the most important word there because it's both. And you see this in his interactions. Nobody condemned you? No? Good. Neither do I. Go and sin no more. See you. How beautiful. The way with the woman at the well, the way with Nicodemus, the way with anybody. He loves And he also tells the truth. It's grace and truth in all of his interactions, which is why I often like to say, if it doesn't sound like Jesus, smell like Jesus, taste like Jesus, feel like Jesus, it's probably not Jesus. Isn't it interesting that so many people who claim to follow Jesus can be some of the honoriest people you ever met? Uh, You've been to church, you know. We've all had those experiences. Yeah, and, and Alan himself, he's pointing at himself, so it's fine. It's Alan. Oh, he's not that on me. Just maybe. <laughs> we all got it. We all got that part in us that wants to judge another, that even wants to be downright ugly to another. But you know what I think protects against that? Is being grounded and rooted in the love that God has for you. Often I think the lack of love to others comes from not feeling that grounded and rootedness in the love God has for us. It's an anxiety inside of our own heart that we then speak out of. But if you're grounded and rooted in love, if you know that no matter what Rosemary says to hurt my feelings, no matter what she does, God loves me and nothing shakes that. That's not negotiable. That's not on the table. It's like, well, you know, she did make a good point. You are awfully talkative. No, it's not on the table. It's not negotiable. God loves you, period, end of story. And because of that, Now you're empowered to love. I'm not threatened by anything 
that others could say to me or do to me because God loves me. Paul says, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. Not other people's comments. Not your worst days. Not those days that make you want to collapse on the couch. Not the days when the baby is sick and tired and cranky. Not the days whenever you and your spouse are going at it like nobody's business. Not the days when everybody says you're crazy. And you might just be. I don't know. But even on those days, nothing can separate you from the love of God. That's our grounded and rootedness in love to love other people. To love all of God's creatures. Please don't make me choose grace or truth. Don't ever make anybody choose grace or truth. Be both. Because that's who Jesus was. I'll end in the same place that I began. With what I think is just a beautiful, beautiful reading of Ephesians 5. Watch what God does. And then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents, mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. Amen.